everybody, and welcome into another edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'm your host, Ricky Hazel, and I'm excited to be joined today by Stetson University's men's basketball coach, Donnie Jones. Coach Jones, welcome aboard. Oh, Ricky, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. It's uh, It's been a been a hectic first year for you at uh, Stetson University. Talk, tell, talk to me a little bit about how you've made it through all the hurdles you've had to overcome this year. Yeah, well, you know what, Ricky, it's been a uh, April one last year, and I was standing beside you uh, mm-hmm. when I was fortunate to join join the team and the Stetson family here, and uh, you know we've really enjoyed being here. Obviously, there's been some challenges, which uh, a lot of people has battled this year in all their sports uh, across the country, not just here at Stetson, but obviously dealing with the pandemic and things like that. Still didn't take away from the the season we had and uh, the experiences we had in building our program in the first year. So there were a lot of uh, firsts of a lot of things we were able to do this year. And we're just excited about where we finished and uh, where we're heading to. So you start off, you come in, you've got a whole new team to learn. You uh, you bring in a couple of players that you're excited about, I know, and, and one in particular, Chance McSpadden, who I know you were really excited about. And then you you lose some guys you were counting on counting on having this year. Chance gets hurt in the first exhibition game, and you know your heart goes out to the kid because he's been through so much. But you know it hurts for him, but it hurts for the team as well because he was going to be a big part of your leadership, and and you lose that before you ever really play a game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Chance was a kid I recruited at UCF. It's very close to. Uh, was a four-star player, uh, really highly recruited, and uh, we got him at UCF. Was excited. He went through some injuries, and and uh, obviously, Ricky, as you mentioned, we brought him there. He was going to be a great foundation, a great leader for our program. And he came in when I got the job. Was there all summer. Uh, still had an incredible influence on all those young kids. The way he worked, the way he led. Um, just, just hurt so much for him as thought he could have been an all-conference player for us last year and coming into the season, just had an unfortunate injury. So that left us to a really young team and, you know, looking to figure out who was going to be that guy to take those shots at the end of the game and who were we going to develop and who was going to evolve. So a lot of unknowns after that happened. And, uh, you know, the season presented a lot of challenges for us early on. And, and uh, obviously as we w- went on, we, we started to figure out how to become a team. Obviously, you're always trying to find positives to build on. No matter what the situation is, you have a fire in your building, you lose your locker room, you got to find a, a way to build off that. You, you have a kid like Chance that is going to come in and be a foundational player for you, and you lose him, and you got to find a way to build on it. How much of losing Chance impacted Rob Perry's opportunity? Yeah, you know what? That's, you know, uh, I remember my son saying to me that the, the night we lost Chance and we were all really hurt uh, just to see his career end and what he just went through. And uh, once you get past focused on him, you start thinking, all right, what's next for our team? And, and obviously, uh, who's that going to be? And I remember my son said, well, Dad, who's, who's going to be our leading scorer? I said, I don't know, but we're going to have a new one. And uh, <laughs> and I, my focus turned to Rob Perry, who happened to be in that uh, actual scrimmage come off the bench in the second half when Chance got hurt and scored 16 points. So he evolved immediately, and uh, we've seen a lot of future in him, and we invested in him, and Rob, Rob really embraced the challenge and, and helped take us uh, to some you know, big games and uh, big wins for us down the stretch. Now we have plenty of Stetson basketball to talk about, but let's, let's go back, way back. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. <laughs> and how many people know where Point Pleasant, West Virginia is, much less have been there? I've been there. 
So I know a little <laughs> bit about it. It's right there at the confluence of the Ohio and the Canal River. Um, very small town, less than 5,000 population. What's what's your upbringing like? What's it like growing up in a town that small? Yeah, you know what, Ricky? It's, it's great that you remember. It's a, um, you know, a great spot. You know, I grew up, I was fortunate, small town. Uh, two traffic lights in there, Ricky. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, grew up in a uh, great community with some incredible people. Um, I always say I'm a product of a lot of people loving me along the way and cheering me on. Just a great childhood there. My mom and dad, uh, obviously, big influence in my life and brother and sister. And so many people in that community uh, were a big part of my uh, ability to have these opportunities I had. So uh, uh, really had a great childhood and uh, really, really learned a lot. So I know from going through there when I was at Marshall, passing through there, going from Huntington to Athens, it's probably about halfway in between. But then you've got you go a little further and you got Morgantown and Columbus. What's the what's the uh, the ties like there? Who 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 do people cheer for? Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny. I, I would say majority of the people. I grew up a Marshall fan. Um, that was always the influence there. My sister went to Marshall. And I uh, grew up as a young kid going to Marshall's basketball camps and, uh, you know, always was a big thundering herd fan. And uh, there's, there's a few that was always West Virginia football fans there in that community more than basketball. But, uh, but it was kind of a blend of both. Uh, my dad was from Ohio, grew up in Ohio, had five brothers across the river there mm-hmm. in Galpolis. So we always cheered for Ohio State football and Marshall basketball. So that was kind of our house being right there in that Ohio Valley area growing up. Bobcats never factored in, huh? No, they didn't. You know, it seemed like 45 minutes the other way. seemed like uh, another country completely. (laughs) So (laughs) a couple of things about Point Pleasant that people may know or may not know. The first, what they consider to be the first battle of the Revolutionary War was fought in Point Pleasant. What do you know about that? Yeah, yeah, 1776. Uh, I know there's a monument down there. It's Twindawee Park. It's right there on the right there on the point. And it was called George Washington named Point Pleasant. He named it Pleasant Point because it was where the waters mingle right there where the Canal and Ohio River met. And that's how it got its name. And then somebody changed it later on to Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was uh, where the first battle of the Revolutionary War was fought. And uh, there's been a lot of People I've met there that's got ancestors that were part of that battle. And I've taken my kids up there a few times and walked those grounds and shared those stories I've heard growing up as a kid, which is pretty neat history. And I remember watching a lot of those uh, reenactments in the early days okay. of, uh, of those battles and stuff over there on that corner. It's pretty cool. It's, it's kind of been a theme for some of the coaches on Stetson staff is grow up in small towns, but they're small towns with a lot of history. And that's mm-hmm. certainly the case. Insight Credit Union is a proud partner of Stetson University Athletics. Insight has been bringing better banking to Central Florida for nearly 85 years. Insight Credit Union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans, credit cards, and more. Insight Credit Union and you, better together. Now, the other big thing Point Pleasant's known for, obviously, is the Mothman. <laughs> and that, you, know, you're, you were born in 1966. I was born in 1966. The Mothman made its debut, I guess, in 1966. What's what's the Mothman story? Yeah, well, you know what? I'll try to give it to you as quick as I can. I've told this story a bunch, and um, you know, it's 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 kind of unique in the aspect. Obviously, it was a bird that uh, 
that a couple saw one night uh, that kind of appeared while they were out in this area called TNT, where they used to build uh, bombs and, and different uh, dynamite and different things they stored. And they had a factory out there that this bird was seen and it looked like half man and half moth. And they seen this huge bird. At first they thought it was a crane, but it had over six foot wings, red eyes and, and then it had been seen several other times throughout that community by people that you would say, hey, they're not making that story up. Yeah. Uh, they have no reason to. So that story grew and obviously got a lot of attention nationally. And there were a lot of you know odd things that happened. And they actually made a movie, yep. The Mothman Prophecies. Richard uh, Gear. Richard Gear's in it. I remember when I was at uh, University of Florida and everybody would always laugh, Billy Donovan. And then when I tell the Mothman stories, you know, None of them wanted to believe it. Then the Mothman prophecies come out. Me and my wife went and saw the movie in the movie theater. It starts out Point Pleasant, West Virginia in 1967. So still think about it when I drive up that way. And and, uh, I've never seen the Mothman. I didn't see him during my time, but I know some people who did, which is pretty interesting. Now, my understanding is since the, uh, the Silver Bridge collapse, which was in December of 67, it hasn't been seen, so it was tied to that in some way, right? Yeah, that was the that was a lot of rumors with that. As a matter of fact, my mom just went across that bridge 15 minutes before it fell. Oh she worked in Ohio, and uh, she had come across the bridge at 5 o'clock, and uh, the bridge fell not too long after that. So um, it was a terrible tragedy with a lot of people we knew, families who lost their mom and their dad on that plane. And a lot of people said that the Mothman was spotted uh, during that time, uh, when that happened. So there was a lot of things that were tied to that strange, uh, sights of that bird. So you grew up in, in Point Pleasant. What kind of, what kind of athlete were you growing up? Did you play everything or was it always basketball? I did. I played all sports, you know, like most, you know, guys in a small hometown, uh, you want to be with your friends. So obviously loved baseball, played that all the way up to the ninth grade and played football all the way up to the ninth grade. And I broke my foot uh, uh, in a football game and put me out pretty much most of basketball season because it happened at the end of the season. And then that's when I made the decision to just play basketball. And then, you know, my 10th, 11th, 12th grade year focused on trying to be a college player and, and uh, had a great childhood and a great time there and a lot of great memories there in that small town. So who were some of your role models growing up in Point Pleasant? Yeah, you know, I had a friend, somebody you wouldn't know, uh, a guy named Brett McCormick, who uh, played at Rio Grand College. He was a little bit older than me. And so, yeah, he played there. And uh, that, he was he was about six, seven years older than me, but uh, he, he lived around the corner. and He was kind of like the neighborhood star. And uh, I know as a young kid watching him, he spent a lot of time with me. And uh, so he, he was a big one. And then I met Greg White, who obviously, you know, that right. name who ended up being my college coach. He, he was a Marshall basketball player and he was having basketball camps in Point Pleasant when I was 12 years old. And, uh, I met him there, uh, Ricky, and he was, uh, dating a girl in Point Pleasant would come up here in the summer mm-hmm. and work out at the basketball courts. So I'd go down there every day and I was a young kid playing and, uh, he'd become a mentor to me when he was in college, the influence he had on me and, who would know by the time my senior year come along, he was the head coach at Pikeville College. Right. And that's how I ended up there. And uh, through that relationship, uh, I was his first signee. So uh, he was a mentor to me as a young kid that uh, still is to this day. Yeah, Greg White was the head coach at Marshall when I was when I was working there in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So I know Greg very well. 
Um, yes. So he recruited you to Pikeville. Pikeville, a place a lot of people probably haven't heard of either. Uh, NAIA school, it was Pikeville College when you went there. It's now Pikeville University. Tell me a little bit about Pikeville and, uh, and uh, going to play for Greg. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when I came out, I was uh, all set. I was going to go to Salem College. That was my school that, that I committed to and um, hadn't signed, but it was in the process of getting ready to commit and sign there. And Greg got the job, drove up to my house and obviously uh, convinced me and my family that this was the right place. And uh, next thing I know, I was up there that summer and and we started over. Uh, it seems like I've always been at programs where we had to start over. And uh, even mm-hmm. as a program, they hadn't won there in years. So we went in and, and rebuilt. And I was just point guard for four years. And we went through a lot of losing early on, but uh, ended up winning 20-plus games and played with a great player by a guy by a guy by the name of Todd May, who, was, who played at Kentucky and was Mr. Basketball. and Ended up being an All-American in AIA, averaged like 45 points a game in senior year. And, so uh, we, we had a great time there. I learned so much. That's where uh, I got a lot of my coaching uh, values and, and really grew as a, as a person as well, but really learned a lot at that level and uh, obviously went on from there to, you know, pursue my coaching career after Pikeville. So you mentioned earlier going to basketball camps at Marshall. Whose camps were you going to at that time? Was that right? Yeah, well, it started out, used to be um, Coach Aberdeen. Uh, and then it turned into Coach Cephalato, Coach Aberdeen. As a matter of fact, as, as you know, Ricky being at Marshall there with us, and uh, I didn't realize it until last year, Greg White had told me, you know, New Smyrna Beach is where Coach Aberdeen passed away. He was yeah. jogging on the beach, uh, 43 years old, and had a heart attack. Yeah. And every time I walk that beach, I think about Coach Aberdeen there. And, and obviously, I knew as a kid going to that camp, and then it was Coach Z's camp that was the the famous camp and uh, grew up as a kid going there every summer since I was 10 years old. And then later on worked those camps uh, as a counselor when I was in college and uh, obviously was a big influence on me as a kid growing up. Now, did you have any interaction with Cam Henderson or was he long gone by that point? Yeah, I think I'd never met Cam. I think he had passed, uh, but I have met a lot of Marshall people over the years who I got incredible respect for. There's been some great people come through. Uh, Marshall with that basketball tradition. Geico offers a special discount on car insurance to Stetson alumni. Just visit geico.com to get a free quote and select Stetson alum to see how much you can save. Don't drop the ball when it comes to saving money. Contact Geico today. When you start your coaching career, you started off at Pikeville, I assume still coaching for Greg, right? I did. So I got out and finished my degree and uh, in an assistance job, it, uh, it paid $1,500. Uh, so I had an opportunity to be the admissions counselor nice. at Pikeville College. So my first job, I was I worked in admissions during the day. I'd go around all the schools right. and I would sell the university. So I got a great opportunity to promote to school and sell the academic side. And then uh, at four o'clock, I would go down and be the basketball coach and, and had that experience there with Greg for, for one year. And then, uh, and then Greg left, and another guy named Mark Comstock came in, and so I stayed with him for one more year, doing the same role as a missions counselor and a coach uh, before I left and went back to Marshall. Doing admissions has got to be great training for recruiting. It really was. You know what? I, I spent the whole day cold calling uh, a lot of students and families and selling the university, just like I'm doing now 31 years later. 
uh, gave me a chance to see the academic side right. to, to understand uh, how students think and how uh, educators think and how administrations think. So it gave me a great inside look on the other side of uh, the importance of uh, the total feel uh, for academics as well as athletics. So after two years in Pikeville, you finally make your way to Marshall and you're uh, an assistant graduate assistant coach for Dana Altman. Talk about what it was yeah. like working with him. Yeah, so I, I came there and uh, I thought I was going to be with Dana Altman. And what happened, Ricky, was uh, Dana just took the job and left. And he went to Kansas State and they hired Dwight Freeman. Right. Uh, so Dwight was the assistant. They handed over to Dwight. And uh, Greg White was on that staff with Dana. That's where he had left and went to. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was going to be with them. And they took that job. And Greg left and he went to UCLA. And so here I was, uh, had the opportunity. I worked for Dwight Freeman there for two years, got my master's in sports management. And then at the time, uh, there was an opening on that third spot, and uh, Dwight moved me into that full-time spot as an assistant. So I had a chance to, uh, at the time, that was called the restricted earnings spot. Right. And uh, so I had a chance for two years to be there with him. Now, was it during that time that you first ran across a certain women's basketball coach at Stetson? I did. So when I first started in 1990, uh, I, there was a young lady by the name of Lynn Bria uh, over on Judy Sutherland's staff. And that's when we first started. She had played basketball at the College of Charleston. Right. and uh, We had a lot of classes together and uh, uh, we spent time together and had so much respect for her back then. And, uh, it's just ironic we had the opportunity to be together here after all these years. So you wound up spending six years at Marshall, right? Four with Freeney and then Billy Donovan comes in and you stay on his staff for two years. What's the transition like after four years with Freeman to Billy Donovan? And I'll tell you my Billy Donovan story here in a second. Okay. Yeah, it was great. So, yeah. So I finished up there, Ricky. Uh, obviously, it was Dwight. They made a coaching change. You know, here I was. I was like 25 years old. I'm trying to figure out what's next for me. Um, the AD here at the time, as we well know, is Lee Moon, who's the mm-hmm. athletic director now at, at North Florida. Right. And so – uh, trying to figure out uh, what's going to happen. Uh, Coach Moon, as we call him, uh, you know, brings me in, tells me, hey, I want you to stick around, kind of oversee the program to make a hire. And then after that, you'll have a chance to meet with uh, the new coach. And then from there, he'll make the decision if you get to stay or not. Sure. So that's typical in most coaching changes. So the opportunity came, Billy got the job. Uh, I worked with Billy for about six weeks. Uh, I remember it was the final four. Uh, in Charlotte. And Billy had not told me at the time uh, if he was going to keep me or not keep me. I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I was the first one in the office. He usually walked in at six. Uh, I'd be sitting in there and he'd leave about one in the morning. So I did that for about six straight weeks. And um, I had my resumes ready to go to Charlotte, try to find a job. And he brought me in and said, listen, I need to talk to you. And I thought, well, this is the day he's going to cut me. So I went in he told me, hey, I've decided uh, like to offer you the position here. So that was the beginning of uh, of my journey, which has been unbelievable uh, to work beside him. And we had a guy named Anthony Grant, who's a pretty mm-hmm. good coach that joined us. Yeah. And then another guy named John Pelfrey uh, yeah. at the time. So we had a young staff, uh, very similar in age. And it was almost like a bunch of college uh, uh, teammates uh, coaching a college team because uh, we'd play at 5 o'clock in the morning every day before we started workouts at 8. Uh, like kids, and uh, that relationship began like uh, like you wouldn't believe to this day. We're all best of friends. 35 and 20 over two seasons at Marshall, and then Billy gets the job at Florida. Takes the whole staff with him? 
He does. Takes the whole staff with him. Uh, we all go there, uh, which is uh, unusual to walk into the SEC. And, you know, Florida had had a couple down years after a Final Four in 94. We go there in 96, total rebuild, all new players. Um, we took one kid with us that was a pretty good player on our team here at Marshall named Jason Williams, yeah. white chocolate. Yep. And we brought him with us. No one had heard of him. And we knew he was really good, obviously. Set him out. And uh, but we were trying to build in a in a world that was obviously Kentucky basketball was with Patino at the time right. at the top and um, they were winning national championships and we had such a long way to go and uh, we worked uh, relentlessly there for a couple of years uh, before we finally jumped onto the scene. You mentioned Rick Patino and I'll tell you my Billy Donovan story. I'm in college, 1987 at Alabama, and I told you I've shared with you before. I've never worked at a school that has been to the NCAA tournament men's basketball. The only time right. I've ever been to an NCAA tournament was when I was in college at Alabama. And that year, 1987, was probably Alabama's best team ever. Derek McKee and, and yeah. Michael Ansley and Jim Farmer and Mark Gottfried. And, I mean, the team was stacked. And yes. went to the Sweet 16 and ran into a Providence team that was a team of destiny. And uh, I pulled up the box score from the game. And Alabama played really well in the game and sh- shot like almost 50% from the floor and lost 103 to 82 because <laughs> Delray Brooks and Billy Donovan just shot the lights out. And that was yes. at, that was at Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, yep. that's the last time I've been to an NCAA tournament game. I was going as a fan, but with a school that I was at. And, uh, I've been to tournaments since then, but never with the, with the school. And Billy Donovan's the one that broke my heart that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I can mend your heart back for what he, he broke with you someday. So, um, you know, ten, what, 10 years at Florida with Billy, you go 261 and 103. That's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible run. Uh, two national championships. What was it like during the, the buildup and then the heyday there at Florida? Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, you know, uh, we went there and, you know, the first couple of years was a rebuild and, you know, we, we had signed a guy named Adonis Haslam that one had heard of come in with us to get it started. You could see why he would be a great one to start it with you, just with his character and his leadership ability, who he was. And, and then we brought on a guy named Mike Miller. Uh, we had two straight losing seasons, finished last in the SEC. And we turned it. Mike Miller comes in the door. We go to the Sweet 16. And then our fourth year in 2000, we played for the national championship. And so uh, once we went in 99, we went 10 straight years to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we had 20 NBA players. And uh, we just you know, played for new, three national championships, one back-to-back. And it's just uh, the culture and the identity uh, was was developed. And uh, But, you know, more important than anything, you know, I'm asked this a lot. Ricky, I look back at it and been on a lot of talk shows and talking about great teams and mm-hmm. great players and and uh, having a, you know we had a ten year anniversary not too long ago. We went back to Florida and they recognized us. But you look back at that group, you know, and what made it so special obviously was our culture, but it was our people. You know, we just had incredible kids, but we also had incredible staff and everybody around us. You know, it was a unique culture where a lot of people cared about each other and they were all bought in. Uh, to trying to be great. Nobody cared who got the credit. You hear all those things all the time. But um, but we were voted the team of the decade in 2000, which was pretty cool. That just don't really happen. We know that Florida is a football school, and, and to go into a place like that and um, the impact Billy had, 
with the vision that he had right. to be able to get those people to rally is just uh, unheard of for that experience that we were able to have. Want to stay up to date on all things happening in Hatter Nation? Follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts at Stetson Hatters, your destination for in-game stats, student-athlete features, game promotions, and more. Follow at Stetson Hatters today. How much of his coaching philosophy and style did he get from Bettino? Because I know when, when he was at Providence and Coach Bettino got the job there, he was going to leave. And Patino basically told him, you don't have anywhere to go. You've got to stay here and work and get better. And obviously it worked out. How much of his style did, did he take from Patino? Yeah, a lot of it early on, Ricky. I think the first, uh, I would say the first two years at Marshall, and I would say his first three or four there in Gainesville, I think he always had a part of that uh, that he took from uh, Coach Patino because obviously he's a great coach and mm-hmm. he had success in that system as a player. Uh, so he was bought into that. He knew what it looked like being a part of that. But Billy, uh, Billy created his own identity. And uh, I think once he started uh, realizing you got to coach to your personality, uh, I think Billy really took off as a coach. And, but, but early on, a lot of his influence obviously was Coach Patino. And, and, uh, and obviously, a lot of those things he used were successful from coach. Mm-hmm. So you've been there 10 years. You've won two national championships. Then the opportunity at Marshall comes along. How hard is it to walk away from all you've built and all you've done there in Florida with with Donovan, but you're going home? Yeah, we was. Uh, it was really hard. Uh, it was really a hard decision. Uh, I love Marshall. Uh, grew up there. Always thought growing up, hey, I wanted to be the head coach of Marshall. I went there to watch him as a kid. Uh, my wife, I met there. She's from Huntington. Uh, to go back there, be around my parents, all my family, 45 minutes away. Uh, they'd had seven straight losing seasons. Uh, wasn't sure if it was the time to go there. Uh, they went through a struggle. But, you know, I've been with Billy a total of 13 years. I've been assistant coach. And so uh, I stayed because I was learning. I've been offered a few jobs before that and passed. Uh, but there was something about this time uh, that it was maybe time for me to to get my own identity. So I was willing to jump out and take a leap of faith and knew I had to make my way. Felt going back to Marshall with the connections and people I had uh, in that community, I could flip it pretty quick uh, with some of the things that some people may not understand starting off uh, with the support of the people. And um, so that's what excited me to go back with that opportunity. Obviously, you'd had plenty of success as assistant coach. What are the things you had to learn quickly as a head coach that maybe you didn't have a full grasp on when you first got there? Yeah, you know what? It's just um, one thing working for Billy. You learn a lot because he lets you coach, and uh, you never feel like you're uh, that you're coaching for him. You're coaching with him, and mm-hmm. he gives you a lot of responsibility. So I felt I was prepared. Uh, the biggest thing, Ricky, is just decisions you make all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many decisions on a daily basis that you have to make, and then even in the game, you're deciding everything. Every decision's based on what you're saying. So. Uh, you know, I had a great staff. I hired some people that could really help me there. Sean Finney, you know, been a head coach at right, Tulane, was right. at Kentucky, was one, one of my uh, mentors and best friends, coached me at Pikeville College for a couple of years. So I brought him in as an assistant, which was very helpful to have a seasoned guy beside me. But still, uh, I was in the spotlight and I was still the voice. I still had to make the decisions right. now. And and uh, obviously, uh, that was a, a new experience for me, but I really embraced it and really enjoyed the growth and opportunity obviously the first couple of years again you were building a program uh it was in a little bit of a transition but that third year 24 and 10 you had a kid named hassan whiteside who was pretty good that 
help turn that program around. Talk about what it was like in the Henderson Center because I never got to experience it four years I was there. What was it like when when the herd was was, was rolling? Yeah, well, it was really good. You know, even that first year, we we re-excited the fans and had the first winning season. We won 16 games like we did this year, and it was a winning season that year. And then we had to completely start over. I added, just like I did here, eight new players that next year. And uh, the following year, we added, like I did this year, another five players. And right. that third year, we won 24 games and got a kid that no one had heard of named Assam Whiteside. He was about 6'10", kid out of uh, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte. Uh, it was at a prep school. I signed him early, very raw, very long, athletic, um, and was just a kid that just needed some guidance and structure and some discipline, just like a lot of kids coming through. And uh, Didn't start the first seven games, Ricky. Uh, four of us come off the bench. And uh, obviously, he just continued to, uh, to really get better and better and better. And, you know, by the end of the year, he was leading the nation and blocked shots, set a record in the country, uh, averaged five and a half blocks a game, uh, was a Naismith, uh, Street and Smith All-American that year as a freshman and uh, really had an incredible year for us. Uh, I was really excited to coach him. And he obviously went on to be the 32nd pick in the draft that year uh, with Sacramento. So obviously the 9-10 season, you knew you had something building there with with him coming back as a sophomore and 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 all the things you had going there in Marshall, but then the, the UCF job comes open and and you get approached by about that. What's what's going through your mind? What's the debate? I mean, I, I'm sure sure you did a did a one of those deals where you draw a line down a page and put the pros and cons. How do you how do you make yep. the decision to to leave what you've got going to uh, to move to an unknown and another rebuild? Yeah, really hard, hard decision. Um, you know, at the time when you're in it, you know, you feel like that's the right thing. Um, obviously, I had a new athletic director uh, who didn't hire me, took, took over the job and Mike Hamrick mm-hmm. at the time. And, uh, and Bob Markham had hired me before and obviously uh, was awesome to me when I was there and he retired. And so uh, different leadership, where I didn't really have a relationship uh, with right. the with him at that time. And uh, then the job opens up at UCF. Keith Tribble was the athletic director there. I knew from Florida and uh, really pursued me. And uh, obviously their intent was to move in the Big East. So the hard part for me was uh, taking that job. Uh, Obviously it ain't just about money, but uh, the situation was much, much better for us. Uh, Opportunity for my family. Um, I was a five year contract. I had just finished up my third and hadn't signed an extension at Marshall at the time. Had two left. So I signed a five-year contract, and uh, obviously with the intent to go to the Big East. And uh, that was told to me behind the scenes it would happen, and it did. And we changed and went to the American, uh, which no one knew would happen instead of the Big East. But uh, I had to still battle through the same conference. So (laughs) during that time, which was very difficult to do, to leave, and go back there, but uh, I just felt it was too good of an opportunity for us. We had really loved Florida, although I was from West Virginia. Love Marshall, still love Marshall. Uh, great experience there. I just felt with the dynamics at the time, uh, my future was probably better off uh, at UCF. Our local bottler, Coca-Cola Beverages Florida, is a proud sponsor of Stetson Athletics. They make sure you have the perfect addition to any game day, the refreshing taste of an ice-cold Coke. Stetson Athletics and Coke Florida, a winning combination. So when you, when you get to UCF, one of the guys you hired on your staff there 
There's a guy that's on your staff now, Brendan Sir. Where do you where do you first meet Brendan? Where do you first encounter him? And how do you talk him into coming out of the NBA to to work for you at UCF? Yeah, well, Brendan, you know, we met back in 1998 when he would come up and see Billy Donovan. He was friends with Billy, and he was living in Orlando, and he was coaching with I think the Knicks at that time. Right. And uh, he would drive up, and uh, we'd spend time with Billy, and I got to be. That little guy was like, hey, coach, you care if I meet you for a, a coffee and ask you some questions? You know, I want to, I'd love to learn from you. Right. So it, be, it become he become uh, a guy and, and we become very close. Uh, I called him almost every day, used his advice on every decision. Uh, we worked together as friends and, uh, you know, our relationship just grew. And then there at the end there, you know, he was ready to step away from the NBA and was coming back home to Orlando. I got the job at UCF and. Uh, he came in and just joined me in a in a different role other than a full time position. Right. He was just looking to kind of guide from afar, and uh, so he did that with me there for a while. And uh, uh, you know, we just uh, it's a, it's great to go go to work every day with your best friend. They don't always get a chance to do that, and he just happens to be a, a legendary basketball coach yeah. uh, with that. So I learned something new every day being around him. Yeah, that's got to be a great thing for you as a head coach to have a guy with his level of experience knowing that he's not behind your back looking for your job. He's there to, to make you better and, and, and all of his experience with the Pistons and the Hawks and the Nets and all of his NBA experience has got to be a big bonus, not only for you as a coach, but for your team. Oh, he really does. Uh, I think, Ricky, even when I come here, I didn't anticipate he would want to come along. Uh, but when I knew I was offered the job, I called him up and I'm like, hey, what do you think? He says, I'll be there to join you. When, did, when do I report to work? <laughs> and I'm like, Wow. Okay. So, um, but obviously the influence uh, that he has, not only on our staff, we got some young coaches on our staff and Adam Williams and Jonathan Mitchell, both those guys played for me as players. And he, uh, he coaches the coaches. Uh, he's a mentor to those guys. And, uh, but our, our players learn so much from him. He's got so many stories and so much experience and he's got the ability to only help players while they're here, but when they finish up, uh, the connections that he has around the world uh, will be able to help our Stetson players uh, be impacted uh, for the rest of their life. So six years at UCF for you, a lot of ups and downs during that time. What was your experience like from your point of view during that time at UCF? Yeah, I had a great experience. You know, Ricky, I went in there, same thing. They'd had some losing seasons. Uh, we jumped in there that first year. We were 18th in the country for a month, won our first 14 games. Mm-hmm. Had Michael Jordan's son there, right. coached him, and Michael brought his other kid there, coached both his boys. Got a chance to spend time around Michael Jordan as a dad, which was pretty cool. Uh, we had three 20-plus win seasons in a row while I was there. Uh, I had four athletic directors in my last five years. Uh, which was a change for me and, and moving legs. Yeah. yeah, it was a challenge. And uh, moving legs, uh, we went from obviously uh, Conference USA into the American. And my first two years there, uh, Louisville won the national championship the first year who was in it, and UConn won it the second. So, you know, my roster was um, we had Conference USA players and we were starting over and they went and uh, we had five teams in the top 25 two years in a row. So that's when the American was the best it's ever been. And we were rebuilding and ready to be pretty good. Uh, you know, my last year there and obviously, you know, there was a change there in athletic director and, um, that's when I had left UCF. And then obviously those players that you brought in and coached turned out to be pretty good. They had a pretty good run after you, after you left there. So when you get done at UCF, you spend a year in the NBA uh, as a scout for doc rivers. What's, what's that experience like? 
Yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, Doc Rivers is, is not only one of the best coaches in the NBA, but one of the best humans uh, in the country. He's an incredible person and leader. And um, I had a chance to get to know him in my time in Orlando and um, to be able to go and had a chance. Clippers, incredible organization. Uh, they were rebuilding. They had the three superstars at the time. Right. And they, those guys all had big contracts. They figured there'd be a change where they would lose a couple of those guys. So I had a chance to see the best players in the world. Uh, walk in, see the other side, be in those meetings with uh, all those great minds uh, that are in sports and see how it's done at the NBA level was uh, uh, was life-changing from a basketball standpoint. And uh, it gave me a completely different view uh, now that I'm back in college. So you get you spend a year as a scout with the Clippers and obviously spend a lot of time around Doc Rivers and I'm sure learned a ton from him. You go on from there to Wichita State as an assistant with Greg Marshall, and they're at their, their highest point at that point. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, we were top five in the country. I was coached a great player, and Landry Shamit ended up being a first-round draft pick, uh, who's now with the Clippers, uh, 22nd pick, point guard. Um, we had a great year that year, fell short in the NCAA tournament, uh, got upset in the first round by Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, of all people, we had, to, we had to play Marshall, and they had a great year. Dan did a great job. And uh, but had a great experience there. Greg Marshall, obviously a terrific coach, one of the best coaches in, in, in the country. He's had a lot of success. Wichita, unbelievable basketball uh, place to coach and play uh, with their fan support and uh, and with the uh, with the legacy that uh, Greg's built there. Then your old buddy Anthony Grant gives you a call after that year, I assume, and and uh, you went off to Dayton. Yeah, you know, I had no intentions and taken off. You know, Anthony gets the job. He's been there for a year. I'd already taken the job at Wichita State and calls me the second year and says, hey, I want to try again. I got an opening again. You know, what do you think? Uh, you know, we're, we're rebuilding steel. We'd love to have you come. And I thought, well, that's two hours from Dayton's two hours from Point Pleasant. You know, a great chance to get back home near my kids. Anthony Grant's one of my best friends uh, in life. So I go back there and have a chance, uh, jump in there and never realized how big time basketball was oh, in Dayton. Yeah. Uh, big time organization support, uh, athletic directors, incredible guy, Neil Solomon. And then we go there. I'm coaching a kid that I thought, wow, this kid's got a chance to be really good named Obi Toppin, mm-hmm. uh, who ended up being the national player of the year mm-hmm. this year. And, uh, so last year, you know, we won 20 some games and, Went to the NIT uh, in the rebuild year there, and uh, and obviously this year Dayton was number two in the country. Yeah, had I mean, an incredible season. They were a legit national title contender this year. They really were. Love Stetson Athletics? Then join the team behind the team. Donate to the Hatter Athletic Fund to help keep your Stetson Hatters at the top of elite competition. If you're interested in donating to provide opportunities for Stetson student-athletes, log on to GoHatters.com and click on the Hatter Athletic Fund link in the Support the Hatters tab. You get a chance to come to Stetson. Um, you know, obviously, Brendan is the first call you make, but you mentioned your other two coaches, Jonathan Mitchell and Adam Williams. Uh, how do you recruit those guys and get them here? And what's your what was your relationship? I know Jonathan played in Florida before he transferred to Rutgers, and then Adam Williams is obviously his dad's a legend in West Virginia. Yeah, he really is. And uh, you know, being in West Virginia, Tex Williams is a Marshall guy as well, and played there baseball and basketball. And and uh, I had met Adam, uh, known Adam since he's probably three years old. And, <laughs> 
Uh, I was recruiting a guy named Brett Nelson at the time, who was top 10 player in the country, who had played for his dad at St. Albans High School. And, uh, and he kept saying, hey, my coach is going to be, or my son's going to be a good player, is what Tex kept telling me. said, he's really fast and got good hands. You know, I think he was six years old then. So um, who would have thought later on I would coach Adam? So when I got the job at Marshall, Adam transferred from Kentucky. He was Mr. Basketball in West Virginia. Went to Kentucky, played for Tubby Smith transferred and I got to coach Adam for two years, made him a graduate assistant. He wanted to be a coach. Uh, I go on to UCF. Uh, Adam goes to West Virginia Tech for a couple of years. I have an opening. I bring Adam in as the ops guy uh, with me at UCF. And then Adam gets a job as at Longwood College for a year and becomes a division two head coach. Mm -hmm. So Adam, I thought this would be a perfect fit for him. He knows me, knows my style of play. I got great respect for him. And uh, he's also been at a place, you know, at at uh, Salem College, uh, which is kind of ironic, is the place I committed to out of high school. He was the head coach at. And so I thought Adam, you know, would be great here. He understood how to do uh, a lot of things uh, in that position, like you would have to do here at Stetson as we as we continue to build. And Adam's done pretty much of everything. So uh, called Adam. He was excited. He came. He's got a great family. And and then Jonathan Mitchell, uh, Ricky, he uh, recruited Jonathan Mitchell since he was 16 years old. He was Mr. Basketball in New York, Mount Vernon High School. I remember a player by the name of Lowe's Moore played at West Virginia back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, played at that high school, a lot of championships, and uh, recruited uh, Jonathan there and played on that 2007 national championship team. And I, I left after that, so I only coached Jay Mitch for one year. And uh, but we stayed in touch, uh, kind of mentored him after he got out of uh, playing and uh, he wanted to get in coaching. And um, obviously uh, I had the opening. I thought he'd be a great fit for what we needed here. and uh, We're happy to have him with us. Obviously, you saw a tremendous amount of growth and improvement of your team during this past season. But how did that group of coaches grow and, and, and come together as a, t- as a group last year? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, our, our, a lot of our success at Florida, obviously we had good players, but we had great chemistry. People forget how important that is when you're staff and uh, people matter, matter, uh, you know, not only your players, but it's about the integrity and character and, and who you have on your staff. They got to represent who you are and be able to speak the language you speak. And both those guys grew as coaches. They're humble. They're servers. Uh, they're about the players. They just got done playing themselves not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously having Coach Sir there to mentor to those guys as well. Uh, our staff really grew. And these guys have done a great job. We're excited about the recruiting class we got coming in here right now. Nobody talks about that because uh, there's been so much happened in the spring. Right. But I think you'll be surprised in the fall uh, what kind of people we got walking through the door to join whatever we have coming back. And you've got a couple other young guys on your on your staff that are helping out with the program as well. Yeah, I do. Louise Guzman, uh, who's who's uh, done a great job. He play, he started at Temple for three years. So I was a point guard there and won three uh, championships. I think they were in the A-10 at that time right. and played in the NCAA tournament. And Lou went over and played overseas for several years. And then he hurt his back, which uh, cut his playing career uh, short, but he was the assistant coach on the Dominican national team this past year mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the world games. Uh, he's from New Jersey, uh, an incredible, uh, respected guy in the Dominican community and up in that, uh, New York basketball. 
And then another guy named Andrew Wingreen, uh, who was a volunteer coach for us this year. But Andrew had been a Division three head coach. Uh, was looking to come somewhere and learn from someone. Him and his wife moved to the land uh, so he could coach here and join us. And he has done a great job, you know, with us. And whatever we've asked him to do, he can't actually get on the floor and coach with his right. role. But uh, he's played a lot uh, in the ops type uh, roles for us. Right. So obviously you've been around and learned and from and been mentored by a lot of great coaches and, and great people in your career. How important is it for you to turn that around and be that great mentor for young coaches? It's, it's very vital. Uh, I try to invest in these guys every day. Uh, even during this time here, you know, Ricky, we've had a chance as we're doing now, do a lot of Zoom calls. And so we talked every day. You know, I had those guys putting on clinics for our, our staff where I'd give them topics to research and trying to help them learn how to coach and teach and and do clinics uh, within our group, uh, give them a lot of responsibility, uh, give them a lot of opportunity to coach, uh, a lot of chance to teach on the floor. Uh, so we're, we're constantly pouring into them. And, you know, I've been fortunate. You know, this was my 10th year as a head coach. And I've had a lot of former players. Brett Nelson, as a matter of fact, head coach at Holy Cross now. And I've had some, some great guys under me uh, uh, that go on to be assistant coaches. Right. Uh, at different places so uh we're always looking to help these guys take the next step and obviously those those uh coaches that have mentored you have been great resources but what other kinds of resources have you used and things that have helped you along the journey to where you are now yeah you know what it's been so much i've always been a big leadership guy mm-hmm. ricky so uh i've always you know even that year i was out and first it started off i was knew i was going to probably be a year out i had a cop, couple opportunities go to minnesota and see state a lot of places an assistant coach and i passed and just focused on really uh thought this was a year for me to grow myself right. um give me a chance to take a breath and uh figure out i had another year on my contract so i could stay put and be able to get paid to do what i want to do and so i went into a lot of leadership stuff jumped on the john maxwell stuff and Got on the John Maxwell team, did a lot of speaking, a lot of CEO stuff, and really grew as a leader. Always, always looking to do that, and and then obviously joined the Clippers right after that in uh, the beginning of the fall. But, uh, but you know, leadership's a big stuff. I got a lot of mentors in business and in outside of basketball. Uh, Three star generals. There's been a lot of people I've connected with that that really represent excellence, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something I really. Uh, love and, and admire and always looking to learn with a growth mindset of uh, who I can learn from to be able to take that stuff and share with with our players and, and the people who are around here. Well, you share that with more than just your players. I mean, you've been doing these sessions with the Alumni Association, which I've gotten on a couple of, and uh, those are great. I mean, it shares a lot of your years of wisdom and knowledge that you've accumulated, and obviously you're freely passing it on to anybody that will access it. So why is it important for you to do those kind of things? Yeah, let's, I appreciate you uh, being there, and uh, thanks for joining and and saying that. You know, I I just think um, you know, I think there's never been more of an important time right now, and to to be able to help people grow. Uh, I have a young son in my house, obviously my kids, but uh, I see these young people here, and I think uh, some of them are just so unequipped of of how to deal with today. And I think uh, just trying to give them tools, and I think sometimes we have a responsibility when we're in these positions to be a leader wherever we're at. How can we help other people? Uh, I think it's always been a passion for me. That's why coaching's easy for me. I've always had a love to help and serve and, and, and be able to see other people have success has always been a great joy for myself. And uh, I think that leadership 
stuff has uh, has been great uh, to grow myself, uh, to help grow other people. And I think anytime we can share that, especially during a time where there's a lot of uh, positivity that needs to be shared Absolutely. in this fearful world, never been in more of a time. So it's important to surround yourself with the kind of people that are like that. And, and my messages with our players are these talks that we're talking about a lot of times. Basketball is a very small part. It's just really encouraging and listening to them and investing in them and sharing with them and, and just really investing in their minds uh, to be better people. Want to cheer on the Hatters at their next away game? Maybe you're visiting family or just looking for a fun getaway. Whatever the reason for your next takeoff, make sure you fly the official airport of Stetson Athletics, Orlando Sanford International Airport. With over 75 nonstop destinations, let S. SFB gets you to your next adventure. Visit flysfb.com for more information. And 30 plus years of mentoring young men as a basketball coach. What are some of the things you wish you had known when you started out that now you're able to share a little better with those young guys? Yeah, great question. Great question. Well, you know, I think early on, you're always trying to get confidence in yourself before you can really share things, you know, and uh, but but I, th- I think the, the biggest thing probably I've learned in all those years that, that that's about, that I value still this day, Ricky, is, is that we've always valued people, man. I've always had great relationships with people. And I think these kids have always invested in them. And uh, obviously, I wish I had a lot more uh, knowledge early on to be able to help them maybe become better basketball players. But I know one thing that I always was, was able to be a, to a friend to a lot of those guys and was always a listener and somebody was always trying to help them in life. And a lot of them, I'm still getting calls. They're finishing up their pro careers. Corey Brewer called me the other day and now he's going back and getting his degree. He wants to coach. Torian Green called, said he wants to come coach at Stetson. You know? So I'm glad <laughs> those guys felt that way about our relationship early on, that I could be a resource. But, but I think, it, you know, looking back on it, uh, you know, I don't really have any regrets of anything I shared with those guys growing up. I gave them the best what I knew at the time. And most importantly, I cared about them. And they haven't forgotten that, I think. Obviously, your relationship with Jason Williams has carried on because he was here at your introductory press conference and has made a couple other yep. visits, I'm sure. Uh, what's, what's the relationship like with him and, and uh, where he's gone in his life? Yeah, absolutely. I love Jay Will and obviously known him since he was 13 years old and uh, recruited him there to Marshall and uh, had a great trust with relationship with him. I was kind of that assistant coach that was kind of – uh, together we were, uh, you know, going to class a lot of days, and uh, I was looking up after him. And I've always tried to stay in his life and encourage him and be there for him. And uh, it's just been a uh, relationship we've been able to sustain that's real and a lot of trust there. And he loves basketball, and, and obviously loves coming over and hanging out in their gym. He loves it. Obviously, he's a tremendous was a tremendous athlete. He probably still is, um, but for, to be as good of a player as he was, he probably wasn't the best athlete at his high school. Uh, he, no, he had another guy that was pretty good, right? He had another guy that he went to high school with named Randy Moss. It was pretty good. <laughs> he was. Um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people thought Jason Williams was Mr. Basketball in uh, West Virginia, but it's, but he was the second best player on his team is what I tell everybody, and everybody's <laughs> kind of like, what? Who's, who's the best player? There's a guy named Randy Moss. He was Mr. Basketball because Jason Williams threw him the ball for all those dunks and yeah. everything. So, um Randy could have been a pro basketball player if he didn't decide to play football. He was that kind of athlete, as as you well know. Yeah, Randy was Randy was at Marshall before I was there. But the story everybody told about him was was a high school story from when he's in the playoffs and whoever it was they were playing punted to him. Uh, he was the punt returner and he returned seven punts for touchdowns in the game. And the team punted to him again 
and he took a knee. And somebody asked him, why did he take a knee? He said, I started scoring. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I've heard that, that one. I mean, that's, that's pretty the, good, That's right? the kind of athlete he was. It's unbelievable. So, obviously, yes. in the locker room and around teams, there's always – there's serious times, but there's also times where guys cut up and have some fun with each other. What are some of the funny things that, that have happened during your career that, that, you, that you can share? Yeah. Wow. I got to think about that one. Well, there's, there's been a lot of good times in there. I mean, obviously, those days – at, at Florida, we had some incredible moments, you know, through our journeys, had some great personalities, guys like Joe Kim Noah. Uh, you know, he, he could have been a third uh, world country leader, this guy. He's, uh, he's got an incredible infectious personality and uh, was always a constant prankster in everything he used to do. And, um, you know, he was a guy that, uh, you know, his, his first year, his freshman year, only played five minutes a game. And then the next year, he was the MVP of the Final Four. And, right. Uh, future number one pick, but uh, this guy's person and I was always playing jokes on everybody all the time uh, with what he would do. Um, and then you had some other personalities, you know, like Jason Williams was a constant prankster too. This guy was always, you know, doing things to uh, get people going in a lot of ways uh, and, and being around him. But I don't really got a funny story right off the top of my head here that I could really probably tell you, um, you know, with those guys. But there was a lot of uh, a lot of great moments. These guys uh, definitely brought a lot of fun to what we did every day. Uh, it wasn't like going to work, that's for sure. You talk about you talked about uh, how you've had to rebuild, been a part of a lot of rebuilding teams. And what are, what are some of the biggest challenges to rebuilding a program and getting it over that hump to, to be successful? Yeah, you know, I just think uh, the biggest thing is when you're building your culture, I think, Ricky, it's just a consistency uh, of what's expected. And, and I think getting people who's going to uh, learn to lose with you uh, early on, you, you, you want to win them all, uh, but who's going to be able to stay in there when it gets hard and be able to build that foundation and, and be able to have enough grit and, and enough integrity uh, to, to lay a foundation and, and to create a cause and a purpose that, that's going to change the culture. And if you can get a base of guys in there, and I think we did that this year, uh, who can okay. go through the tough times and embrace the little victories that we had and now be able to add pieces to it. And together with the right people, you can change a culture. So uh, you just can't get caught up in the moments. You know, there's a lot of things you can't control. We had our locker room, obviously, cats on fire. We never dressed in our locker room since September. Right. You know, we're still not in there. It's just been an unfortunate situation. And so our guys never complain. But it all starts with the attitude of your staff, uh, what we pay attention to what we emphasize, what we make a big deal out of and, and what we overcome is, is going to be a, a reflection of how our kids handle it. So um, I think we've just been a team that just wants to earn our respect and, and we're just building integrity and in a place and a culture where to create an expectation. And that's the biggest thing we want to do is create a realistic expectation that, uh, that we're giving guys permission to win and it can happen here. There's no reason it can't happen. And it's time for it to happen. Right. And, we're, and so we've looked for those kind of people. We talk about it in recruiting. We look for somebody to chop down a pathway uh, to the mountaintop uh, like we have at other places who wants to come here and do something that hasn't been done. We're not looking for somebody who wants to follow everybody else's success. It's got to be a little different to come in and change it. Obviously, there were some moments during last season that were incredibly – got to be incredibly satisfying as a coach, went over South Carolina, went over Liberty. But was there a – was there an aha moment with your team where you, you looked at you looked at Brendan and you looked at your other coaches and I think they've got it? 
Yeah. You know what? The, you know, the South Carolina moment was a little shocking. You know, we'd come off, we were five and nine going in there. We'd had so many tough losses. We just played FIU before home at Christmas and we were at lowest at low and we come back, but our approach every day was a process. It was about teaching and we go in there and we just played free and, uh, and had that win. Uh, but, but I really think, uh, where I start seeing the moment turn is when we beat Liberty. Uh, I think we beat Liberty at home, mm-hmm. uh, who we respect as much as anyone. They, you know, they were 17th in the country yeah. RPI at that time. Yeah. And, and we know that they were 30 game potential winner that season and to upset them and beat them. And they were the king of the mountaintop at that time in our league. Uh, that gave our guys a boost where, you know, we won eight of nine at that. Uh, I think that really gave our guys permission uh, that they belonged. And it was a mindset now that we could do it. And um, so we, we, we played uh, at a different level there at moments after that. And that was a game that you won with defense. I mean, it was stifling mm-hmm. defense. And that's that's a whole different way to win, I'm sure, than what most kids think about winning. And I had to, had to tell the guys, hey, we can do this without having to score 90 points every night. Yeah, absolutely. And we had to find an identity. Everybody says, what's your identity? Who are you? And, you know, I think it's whatever wins. I mean, we want to play faster. And, you know, now we're equipped coming in with some more experience and offensive firepower, guys that fit what we do. And uh, we took the guys we inherited, plus added some unknown freshmen who was – some of those were the best available late that we took, not sure what they were going to do. Some we hadn't even seen. And – and be able to mold them into what we could get the most out of each guy who could be a superstar in the role. And guys bought that. And uh, so with that, you know, defensively is what's the key for us to have a chance every night. And you only lose two guys off that team that were seniors uh, last year. So you've got a lot of pieces coming back. You already mentioned five newcomers coming in. So what's the, what's the priority for getting this team ready to play the second season? Well, yeah, you know, the challenge gets, uh, you know, harder because we lost the whole spring, just like everybody else uh, coming in and, and obviously uh, going to lose to summer. So we're going to walk in the fall like the old days, Ricky. That's what it used to be when I was oh, in yeah. school. And everybody showed up in the fall and had about four weeks of uh, conditioning. And then you started practice October 15th. So that's kind of what this season is going to be. We're just thankful to have a season uh, with everything that's going on right. and everybody's safety and health is most important, as you know. And that's why we're, uh, you know, waiting until the, fall here to make sure we're doing the right things for our kids. But uh, I think um, coming through the door, we have to learn to be effective coaches here. That's one thing we talk about all the time, and, and that's through communication, is how can we be effective on these Zoom calls and how can we coach these kids to the best of our ability mentally and understanding our culture? And how can we have them prepared when they walk through the door? Uh, that's the only time we'll be able to do anything basketball physically with them, but uh, we can become better teammates. We can get to know them. We can be the best communicative team in the country. There's some things that we can grow in the next six weeks before they get here uh, ahead of time. But we return, obviously, our top our starting lineup. It's all, all right. back. Yeah. We lost one Im- impact player in Jaheel Raleigh. All right. um, so really return our starting five uh, with tons of experience from those young guys. And then the kids we've signed are obviously freshmen. I went young. Uh, we'll have 10, we'll have 11 freshmen and sophomores wow. coming through the door. We'll be one of the youngest teams in the country. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I want to build it. Those are the things we did. During my tenure in Florida, Ricky, we had uh, no transfers and and at the time, no junior college players. We did it with all four-year players. 
freshmen become sophomores, sophomores become juniors, and they learned our system and body into our development. And I think that's what we're trying to do here at Stetson. I know you did have one mid-year transfer last year that I assume will be eligible at mid-year this year. Yes, Chase Johnston uh, transferred in from uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne and uh, obviously will be eligible this fall with four years to play. Okay. So he's a, so he got a red shirt for last year, basically. He did. He got a red shirt and, uh, you know, a prolific shooter, one of the best shooters uh, I've coached. Uh, he'll, he'll really add a different dimension with him and Rob Perry on those wings. To say, uh, Rob's a pretty good shooter, with. too, when he's, uh, when he's hot. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. Show your Stetson spirit and get your green on with officially licensed tees, sweats, hoodies, and more. Go to www.shopgohatters.com. All your Hatters gear is just a click away. Visit www.shopgohatters.com today. So I know you're a, you're a prolific reader and you're big on leadership. So what, what are some of the books you're reading now and what are some of your favorites? Yeah. Well, um, one of them that... Uh, that I just finished up reading is uh, uh, you are what you do. And um, that was, that's a book on culture. And I think that's uh, uh, a great one that I just read. I thought it was pretty good. I read another one there about three months ago called Habit. Uh, it's, it's about obviously your habits. You become what you do on a continually basis. Uh, it's a great one. Um, a great book I was reading when I first got the job is why the best are the best. As right. you know, yeah. as Jeff talked about that one, it's, that's a great book. Uh, another one called Mindset. Uh, which is uh, is a great one we're sharing with our guys. Uh, there's another one here where we're, we've been talking about this team called Chop uh, Wood and Carry Water. Uh, it's, a, it's a book about uh, – it's a great team book, just talking about the basic things of how to continue to do the right thing, the little things every day, uh, and chopping wood and carry water regardless of your circumstances. So, uh, but, yeah, you know, we, we share books. We'll give guys uh, – a book assignment here this summer where they'll all be responsible for reading books. That's something we're going to give these guys. I got a different book picked out for every player that they'll read. And then when we get together, they'll share it with the program, what nice. they learned and uh, you know, what was the impact from the lessons that they studied in that book. Now you've seen coach Steve Tremper write his own book. When, when are we going to see one with your name on it? <laughs> well, I hope so. I, you know, I thought about it here during these four months, but everything happened so fast. Uh, uh, I got a lot of ideas, and uh, but yeah, Steve's done a great job. I love Steve's book. I got a copy of it as well, and uh, he's a great leader. We're fortunate to have him there to learn from as well. And uh, I hope someday I got I got a lot of thoughts on some different things uh, uh, that I'd like to write. Uh, just being able to put all those together uh, at the right time. You a notebook guy? Or are you a scrap paper guy? What do you you got a box full of notes that you want to put together? Yeah, no, I'm a, uh, I'm a, a diary guy. I got a bunch of these right here, these black journals uh, with a bunch of notes in it that I, that I write things in, as you can see. Yeah. Uh, a ton of those. And, uh, and I keep a lot of stuff on my phone and notes. Um, I probably have 4,000 of those uh, on, my, yeah, on the iPad and notes of different things. So I got an accumulation of a lot of stuff I've kept. Uh, that I can recall and, you know, and share. There's a lot of stuff I share on Twitter, Instagram, different things that I'm able to get. Basketball coaches are known for their some outsized personalities, but you're a guy on the sidelines. You're always kind of calm. You're always kind of quiet. Uh, you don't you don't yell and scream, stomp your feet. Where did you develop that coaching style and how have you found that to be most effective for you? Yeah, you know what, Ricky, I've always uh, felt it was about the players. I've always tried to be a uh, – 
a, uh, a guy that was always a solution um, solution guy instead of a problem guy. So I try not I try to take the emotion out of the game of myself and just be able to stay where I can think and be able to react and keep guys calm in the moment. And uh, I'm strictly analytical and analyzing. Uh, I'll cheer every once in a while. You know, I, there's some calls I don't like. I'll respond to, uh, but but obviously I try to pick the, the moments to raise the level of intensity uh, based on when I'm going to take it to a different level. And I always tell players I'll never embarrass you. You know, mm. shout shout uh, praise and whisper criticism has always been my kind of approach. Not that I'm really criticizing, but I'm coaching. And I think we'll hold guys accountable, but I think guys are looking to be coached. They're not looking to be yelled at. Everybody's got different ways they do it. And uh, I think that, you know, my approach has always been to, uh, to be a, uh, you know, quiet strength type leader uh, in in coaching my guys. You find officials respond better to that as well? You know what? It's been interesting here uh, this year. (laughs) Um, A lot of guys I've never seen, a lot of young officials in this league. And, uh, you know, good guys, they're all trying to get their start somewhere, right. just like uh, when I was a young coach. So yeah. I respect them all. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you come from a really, really, really high level and then you, you walk into a, a beginning level, sometimes it's you sometimes probably get upset with the calls. But uh, those guys were given their best and uh, we were all getting to know each other's style, I think, this year. And uh, sometimes I just uh, – uh, I would get after those guys some games. You know, I just wanted to earn our respect here at Stetson that uh, that it's important and our guys are working hard too. Do you have any um, game day superstitions, anything that you feel like you need to do every game? Yeah, you know what? I'm not really a uh, superstitious guy. You know, uh, I'm not that much. Uh, you know, this year I didn't really wear a tie all the time. That's the first time I hadn't really done that, that in a while. And my wife kept saying, well, why? You need to wear a tie. That's what people do. And I'm like, yeah. Gonna mix up my approach a little bit here, you know. Go a little more casual sometimes, and and uh, but I'm, I'm not really superstitious in that aspect. I mean, I guess we think about it sometimes when you wore a certain tie or sports coats. I mean, I ain't won in that sports coat in the last five games. I, I'm not gonna risk it tonight, but but for the most part, um, you know, I'm pretty much a consistent guy with my approach, and I do the same thing, you know, with my game day tactics. Uh, you know, night in, night out. You're usually pretty conservative with a sports coach, but you'll break out a plaid every now and then. Yeah, I got a couple plaids, you know, not Wimp Sanderson you know, <laughs> back in the day, but I got a couple in there that uh, I've had, you know, from over the years, you know, coaching for a long time. You, you know, you buy a sports coat or two every year before you know it, you got about 15 of them, yeah. you know, been around too long. My, uh, my freshman year at Alabama, I was a student manager for the men's basketball team. With uh, with Coach Sanderson and Benny Dees, and my oh, yeah. my job on game day was to chase down their jackets when they threw them and bring them back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Benny Dees, I, I forgot about Benny Dees. I coached against Benny Dees. Uh, he was at Wyoming. Yeah, was a, absolutely, was at Wyoming. An assistant at Marshall. We played against him. So what what a personality! Absolutely, and the two of them together. Holy smokes! And then they had Kevin Incredible. Kevin Gray was one of the assistants. And oh, another great wow. guy. Um, great group. How do you like to spend your time away from basketball and away from coaching and teaching? Yeah, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, you know, I'm a family guy, so I spend a lot of time with my family there. Um, you know, I've got a young son there and 
obviously my daughter's a freshman at Stetson this past year and had incredible experience. So, um, but you know what, I, that's pretty much what I do to be honest about it. I'm a, I'm a at home guy. We do a lot with the family and, um, try to invest in my kids. I love to golf, but I haven't golfed in so long because I feel like, you know, I'm taking away time from my kids when I do have free time. But, uh, but obviously we love it here. We go to the beach a lot. Me and my wife get up pretty much three days a week at about five thirty, six o'clock. We walk five miles at New Smyrna every day and we love it up there. You know, we love this area here. So uh, we just spend a lot of family time. It's pretty much the main thing I do. You've been able to do a lot of that for the last three months. That's for sure. What's the thing you're most looking forward to doing when this is all pandemics all over and you can get back with your guys? Yeah. You know, I miss people, uh, Ricky, you know, it's good, good seeing you the other day and just, you know, the Stetson relationships here. We've been a, here a year. We're looking forward to this all season, really investing in the, the alumni and the people here that I didn't get a chance to meet, you know, when you hit the ground running, when you get the job, you don't get a chance to be around a lot of people and you're just hoping to get to know them in a different way in the spring. And same with our team, you got a lot of new guys, you're trying to bring them all together. Uh, you're trying to build, you know, off court stuff together with them. But I'm looking forward to bringing our team together and having a chance to uh, you know, bring them out to my house for cookouts like we was was planning on doing and having a chance to, to really get to know them and, and obviously our staff and, and just our sets and family, you know, just miss being around all those people. When your travels take you to Deland, count on Hampton Inn and Suites Deland to deliver value, consistency, and thoughtful service. Ask about our new premium rooms. Book your next day in advance and save up to 15% off the already great rates. Let's talk a little bit about the coming year. Obviously, there's going to be raised expectations off of what the team accomplished in the first year. You've got a bunch of new players coming in. What's the schedule look like first, and how do you manage um, expectations, growing expectations with your team? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. I think last you know year, you know we were we were half a game out of first place with four to play, uh, and and it all of a sudden, as I told our team, it's going to get harder because people are looking at you different and they're going to play you differently. And, and, you know, we struggled. We lost those last four games regular season, still tied for third, but we had a chance, but we just couldn't learn how to handle winning. Right. Uh, we went from figuring out if we want to have a team or who's on the team to getting beat to death early on to upsetting somebody. We're on such high lows. How could we, how could we win something so big so quick? So, I, I think with that mindset, we talk a lot about those things now. And I think now we've had ex- some experience. And I think that we got to create an expectation. I'm glad there's expectation. So we need to learn to deal with pressure. Uh, pressure is only when you're not prepared. And uh, pressure needs to be our friend. Any, any program you come here as a coach, we put pressure on ourselves every day to want to be great. And, um, and we expect to win. We talk about it. You know, there's an expectation. I know it's part of the process and we're still in the process stage of learning how to handle those things. But, uh, I think it's the mindset that we, we got to create as a staff for these guys and be able to challenge them. I just don't think you can, if you're a competitor and you're the kind of kid we recruited to come here, then you, you should have an expectation to want to win. And so we'll have to learn how to do that. There'll be highs and lows throughout the season, you know, We'll have to experience it in our schedule. We're still working on it. It's been a uh, obviously NJIT all of a sudden here right. now. We just got the news for them leaving. So that opened up two more games for us. They're going to probably take our schedule and start all over again. So that'll change our non-conference, I mean, our conference schedule, what we thought. So with that, you know, we're still trying to get a couple guarantee games and um, we still got five games to get. 
Wow. Uh, it's been a, it got harder, Ricky, because, uh, uh, you know, when you, you know, when you beat Liberty and you beat South Carolina and you got your team back, you know, I have a respect thing. I understand I used to be a Florida and I didn't want to play those teams that, that beat those other teams right. in our league either. So it's got harder to schedule. And so uh, we're having a hard time finding, finding the games uh, to play now. Uh, so we're, we're kind of in the scramble mode here as we go looking to schedule. What do you say to Stetson fans who really have not had sustained success in men's basketball since maybe all the way back to Coach Wilkes, who obviously is around the program a lot? He's, you know, every time I look in the gym, he's down there watching practice. So he's, it's great to have him back in part of the program. But what do you say to fans about to get them excited to where they're coming out to the games this year and, and are supporting this program now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I was hoping to say this message to them, if I would have solved this this spring a lot, Ricky, is uh, said we've reached out to all the former players. You know, I had a, uh, a Zoom call with a lot of the former players the other day. We reached out to 150, 175 of them through email. Wow. We're just trying to create that uh, that culture again, uh, the, that it matters. Uh, we need you now. Uh, be there before you get there is our message. Uh, and, and we need the fans uh, and we need the support of Stetson to be there before we get there because we need help to create that culture, uh, not only just financially, but just support mm-hmm. uh, of showing these kids coming in here that there has been a tradition. I know it's been a while since we've won, but people forget about what used to be when it starts being, uh, I've seen it happen. So uh, we just need some momentum uh, to carry into this and uh, hopefully we can get everybody behind us. we get a great group of kids that's going to represent, we had a three point uh, three GPA here this spring uh, from these kids, which is terrific. Yeah. Uh, they're committed off the floor as well as on the floor. I think these are kids that's going to represent former Hatters and ones they're proud of. We've connected with a lot of former players, Rick Roach, and a lot of guys like that who played here uh, that have been great. Uh, so, you know, we're just trying to build it, and uh, we need them here, and we just need your support as we get ready to uh, hopefully elevate this thing and make it a consistent winner. Uh, that's our goal. Well, I can't tell you how excited I am looking forward to the future of this program and the success that I know is coming And because uh, I'm looking forward to that first NCAA tournament trip. <laughs> it's, a long, it's a long, long time overdue, I can promise you. Uh, Donnie, yeah, it's been great spending you. this time with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on our, our podcast, Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Inside Credit Union. This has been a lot of fun, and hopefully the fans will uh, get excited about coming out and supporting Stetson basketball this year and getting behind this team because they're certainly deserving of it. Thanks, Ricky. It's great to be with you. Much respect, and uh, can't wait to see you again and be around you and spend some time here and looking forward to the season. Thanks for everything. Can't wait for it, Donnie. Thanks a lot for being on with us. And that'll do it for this edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'd like to thank all of our corporate sponsors who make it possible for Stetson University and Stetson Athletics to provide our more than 400 student athletes a quality experience on the courts and fields of competition in the same way the faculty provides all Stetson University students a quality educational experience. Those sponsors include, of course, our presenting sponsor, Insight Credit Union. Other sponsors include Florida Public Utilities, Visit askforgas.com for more information. GEICO Insurance. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com to find out how. Advent Health. Visit westvolusia.com. Old Florida, new vibe. Coca-Cola Beverages of Florida. 
the Alliance Community for Retirement Living, Bud Light, the official beer of Stetson University, Florida Orthopedic Associates, if it hurts, see them first, Hampton Inn and Suites of Deland, ImageWorks, your one-stop corporate identity shop, Main Street Community Bank, familiar name, familiar faces, familiar bank, Morningstar Storage, the space you need, the way you want it. Orlando Sanford International Airport. Visit flysfb.com. Simpler, faster, better. Total Comfort, the name you can trust. And Weston Lake Mary Orlando North, for a better you. Thank you to all of our corporate sponsors.